Welcome back, everybody, to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. I am your host, Parker Bennett from Royal Page Westwind Realty, and I am joined by Mally J. Bonjour. Hello. The layperson. It's true. I'm just, I'm the normie in the room. <laughs> the normie. <laughs> just like a regular person. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a realtor. I am your assistant, but yeah. I'm also just like, it's like a regular fairly do you feel normal like person who only knows a little bit about real estate. I have basic questions. Do you feel like you know more than the average duckling about real estate though? I, yes, here? I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Through like osmosis, basically. Through osmosis. Sponging up information. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you're maybe looking for a house. It's true. I am actually. Dabbling in the idea. Got my eyes peeled. Yeah. Uh, something I'm would sort of, I, we were talking about it earlier this week, but wishing that I had made this step 20 years ago. Can I quote I was, that? Please do. Can you quote that? <laughs> you heard uh, it here. Yeah. Mally J. And my, my dad tried, you know, he gave me that advice. I had heard that advice a lot in my early twenties and I never took it. It was never, it never felt like the right thing to do for me. It wasn't, I wasn't looking to plant roots or get into sort of a major investment situation at the time. That's and I'm commitment. still not That's a big commitment to be honest, yeah. but I'm looking at 39 years old and still renting and nothing wrong with that. You right. know, the lots changed. And when I was growing up, I, I am still from the generation where I really thought it was going to be easier to achieve Right. what based on, you know, a regular income, working a regular job, you should be able to, to do this. So a lot's, a lot's changed in the last 20 years, but yeah. um, yeah, we're, my partner Luke and I are looking and went out to see a few and realized that's, uh, yeah, that's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> but as you said, it's a commitment. So, but here's the here's the nugget, okay, that you haven't mentioned yet. Mm-hmm. Even as a renter, you were paying somebody's mortgage. Yes. You just didn't put the down payment, right? And choose the location. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, you did choose the I location. Did. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. The the tidbit here is that it's pain up front, right? It's like yeah, it's a little bit of pain to save up and commit to making that uh, that 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 sacrifice financially. Mm-hmm. But once you start making mortgage payments, I would say like in your first, maybe your first five-year term of a mortgage, you might be paying a little bit higher mortgage payment than you would normally make as a renter. Mm-hmm. But then in year five to 10 and then 10 to 15 and et cetera, et cetera, yeah. you're paying less than rent yeah. and your the equity is just skyrocketing. And you know, all of that makes sense. Like I do, I do know that. And maybe it's now at this age with the wisdom and experience and perspective I now have, um, I can now see five years into the future. I've never been the type of person to know what the next five years is looking like. I've sort of been the type to not even really know what the next, what's happening after three months from now. Like it's just sort of how I'm wired maybe, but um, yeah, it was not really ever. You're a free thinker. I'm a bit of a free thinker, and but that doesn't really jive with how the housing industry works. <laughs> so you got to live somewhere. You got to live somewhere, and so I feel like I'm late to the game, but I'm trying not to. It just is what it is. You got you, a know? Lot, you got a lot of years left. That's the truth, and I'm. I suppose I'm in a good position to keep my eyes on the 
available properties being working here <laughs> with you. Right. Um, that's that's an what, advantage. What advantage do you think you have buying a home, knowing what you know from the back end of the real estate industry here? Like, do you think there's... Well, certainly, I feel like I'm in a position to... Well, for one, the people that I've met here, including yourself, like ask their candid opinions about properties. Right. <laughs> like having a, a, yeah, sort of a deeper un, unfiltered, like tell me really what, what's up with this property. Like mm-hmm. have that's an advantage, but that's still not my skill set. That's relying on others. Yeah, but, but it's, it's advantageous. And I, I would say like in a hot market, mm-hmm. you understand how the selling agent is going to try and tangle people and get them into a multiple offer situation. Like that's their goal is to do their best for their seller, Mm -hmm. the person they represent. You probably get a better idea of how that plays out and how there's there's a lot of strategy there. I think so. Yeah. I I think certainly I've learned more about the negotiation process and that uh, there's a lot more that goes into a purchase than just what the list price says. It could, you know, could be... Less than that, it could be more than that. There's a other costs involved yeah. after that, um, and leverage. And yeah, the what what leverage. is leverage? What does leverage that could mean? So many different things, but it's probably an advantage. It's, it's like it's like telling your kids to eat vegetables. Sure, like you know it's good for you later. Yeah, but it's not going to be that fun right now. <laughs> right. Right? Everyone knows that. <laughs> yeah. It's just whether you're going to choose to make the commitment today uh-huh. or you decide later to make the commitment. Yeah. I'll tell you, I don't true. know how many family members I have listening to this podcast. Maybe it's appropriate. Maybe it's not to say, but. Hi, Bennett family. <laughs> I have, I have a family member who's, who was renting a property and the property actually caught fire, burnt down. Oh, damn. He was a basement tenant. Uh, there was another tenant upstairs. I don't exactly know how it started, but I, I, th- I want to say I, I thought I heard that it was an electrical issue. So probably not a lot of service, underservice size, electrical system, et cetera. Anyways, and now the family member that I have is 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 literally homeless. Oh, God. Like he's living in a tent on the lot where oh. the house burnt down because they won't let him back in because, of course, it's like, it's unsafe. it's under unsafe, yeah. That is horrible. I'm so sorry to hear that. So you're just letting your family member. You're not taking this person in, or um, well, it's not in the same city, so <laughs> okay, it's a little difficult. Fair. It's not like Kamloopian. But I don't need to get. Involved, I do have family members <laughs> at my house right now that are crashing with me. My That's true. My sister's hanging out with me while she's hunting for a house. Hey, sis. Yeah. That's so. exciting. We should have her on the podcast. Yeah, we could. Oh my god! At like to document her home search. I guess we could do the same with me. But we totally could. Yeah, that's great. I just kicked her out to the lake, so she's now not local anymore. <laughs> she's at the lake property. Yeah, it's probably not as fun today there, but it, like on yeah. the weekend, it was really nice. Mm-hmm. Really nice. Cool. Okay, so we got a a fun topic to talk about today. We're talking about government jargon. Mm, policy. Yeah, policy change so in the, in the rivet, works. Riveting. It is actually, though. That I, I was joking to say, like, oh, exciting. But if it, it wasn't, is. If it wasn't riveting, I wouldn't say it on the podcast. <laughs> Fair. Okay. Because I don't have anyone telling me what I can and can't <laughs> say on here. So I'm only putting the juicy stuff in, mm. and it's through the lens of PB. Mm-hmm. That's the value of the podcast. You're getting it through my lens I, I try to be as as accurate as possible, 
But you have to understand, like any media source, Mm -hmm. this is coming through my lens. Right. So I'm giving my take on this particular policy change through the lens of moi. (laughs) Numero uno. Numero uno. So not a lot of people know what Bill 43 is, Mm -mm. uh, because I sure didn't. And if you Google it, you probably won't. It, like you're not going to find something on YouTube. Let's put it that way. Yeah. It's not mainstream good intel. Yeah. But there is this bill that was passed in April called Bill 43, which is the Housing Supply Act. And reviewing the bill, which literally almost put me to sleep, <laughs> it kind of looks like a bill that's just more enforcement measures for government to enforce policy change on municipalities, municipalities mm-hmm. to improve the housing situation that's going on right now in the province of British Columbia. Right. Incre- to increase supply. Increase in supply, make it more affordable, mm-hmm. um, quicken the process of erecting homes mm-hmm. and densifying areas that have good corridors for transportation. Okay. So that there's a lot more people driving, but more, you know, transit and mm-hmm. SkyTrain and bicycle paths yeah, and bike. walking paths, pedestrian movement to work and, and back. So I'm going to read some of this stuff because it's pretty interesting. Um, it's not very detailed at this point, but I will say this. Uh, the, the catchphrases and the, the let's, let's say the headlines of these topics are really, really delicious. They are. My name is Parker Bennett, and I've spent the last 20 years helping people through the process of their largest single investment they may ever make, their home. From building inspector to real estate agent, I've chalked up a number of great experiences and strategies for everything related to the home buying experience. This podcast is dedicated to anything and everything around the Kamloops real estate market. Welcome to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. So the province just announced um, they're moving forward with the Housing Supply Act and They're going to make a a province-wide zoning change later this year that will allow for up to four units on the majority of single-family zone lots in the province. Wow. Okay. Higher density uh, will be allowed for properties closer to mean transit corridors. Now, in saying that sentence, I don't know exactly what it all means, Mm -hmm. but it sounds like they're trying to improve, they're trying to densify standard single-family zone lots Mm -hmm. for more than just one basement suite. Right. So now I think we're looking at two suites. Could you put two suites in your basement? And could you also have maybe a carriage house or a garden suite as well? Mm -hmm. Like I think if you're near a higher main transit corridor, Mm -hmm. then you probably are going to be able to have the option to build more than just a basement suite in your basement. Right. Let's analyze this a little bit. Um, Recently... Kamloops did change its zoning policy, which did allow for a lot more of the zoning in Kamloops to allow for a legal basement suite to be built. The criteria was, a lot of the criteria was shrunk, so it made it more viable for more people to be able to build suites. Okay. I still sit in a zoning in my area where it's not applicable to me as a city of Kamloops resident. Right. Um, but, But I would say... If you were to roll the dice, the average zoning in Kamloops would allow for a basement suite. Okay. I think some of the target areas that are going to be considered are going to be Rayleigh because they're on a, a sewage 
community sewer system, which is um, at the end of its life, it needs to be expanded. There's not a lot of room for additional drains on that service. So are you saying they would be considered not part of these the... are these are communities these are areas in our community that are that, that currently don't have that zoning ah, allowance I understand. okay um, Barnhartville where I live up in the upper areas there's no applicability for it I'm in CR zoning which is a country rural kind of more farmy yeah we're, we're on septic systems and if you were building a home today outside of a sewer uh, treatment area but and you were ref, you were restricted in your lot size, the the city or the municipality having jurisdiction in your building application would require that there would be a second septic field allowance in your lot. There would be a covenant in your lot so that, you know, if you build a septic field in your backyard and the life expectancy of that, it could be 30 or 40 years. Mm -hmm. It might last 50. It probably would. Mm -hmm. But if it didn't, what do you do when that field is no good? You now need to leave a second chunk of land oh. on your property to build a field if the first one fails. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, like if you have a half acre lot, there's not a lot of room after you put two septic fields on it for, you know, further development. So that's why those areas are not going to be applicable to the zoning change. That makes sense. But most of downtown, Sahali, Aberdeen, all, like yeah, Juniper Brock. Heights, Brock... North Cam, West Side, all those places are allowing for uh, secondary suites right now. Valley View, probably. Valley View as well, yep. Um, legalizing secondary suites is going to be something that's mandated in every BC community. Okay, so we're back to the Housing Act here. Yeah. Okay. So I don't, I don't know which communities right now don't allow for secondary suites. I mean, I'm ignorant to other communities, <laughs> but I assume there's probably a fair chunk of other communities that don't currently have zoning that allows for secondary suites, right. especially in areas that probably aren't that dense. Okay. So this is going to be enforced through the province to create more applicability for, I don't know if this means like every BC community, every zoning, every spot, every, 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 every single house, or if it just means that there's going to be more uh, zoning in each community to allow for secondary suites. Can you read that point again? Just It's short. Yeah. Legalizing secondary suites in every BC community. Legalizing secondary suites in every... That sounds so appealing. Yeah. But as you say, like, well, yeah, if there's existing zoning in a municipality that does not allow for that in certain areas, yeah. does the provincial one win out or does the municipal win over uh, zoning override that? I have questions. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's such a short statement for I such know. a big deal. Okay? Yeah. Let me challenge it. On the first note, I would say that it doesn't, it may not even change anything. Mm -hmm. Legalizing, making it applicable that you can have a legal suite in your community doesn't necessarily that mean that anyone is going to build a legal suite. Right. Because it costs more. Sure. And in a retrofit aspect on your home, it's difficult. Mm -hmm. But when you're building a new house... Um, and this might be something that we we start to see a trend moving forward. If a builder is building a single family detached home from here on out in a zoned area where you're allowed a basement suite, they can now build the house yeah. in a manner that allows for a legal basement suite to be added in later at less than, you know, less than the 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 pain of redoing stuff that yes. you would have to do in in something that was applicable from yesterday's build. Yeah. So. Could be a slow change, but allowing it 
yeah. in the end is better. Totally. You ready for the next tidbit? I think so. By 2024, that's soon, it's coming past, a 50% forgivable below market loan up to $40,000 will be made available to homeowners over five years for the cost of renovating and building a secondary suite in their home. Okay. But there is an asterisk. Mm -hmm. Homeowners will be able to take advantage of this program if they rent their secondary suite at below market rents for five years. Okay. I have so many questions about this. Let's chat. So from the beginning of that statement is $40,000, 50%. Can you explain a little bit about what a a 50%? Let's talk about what a forgivable mortgage is. Forgivable loan. So I would say that if you were to borrow the $40,000, half of it would be forgivable. The other half would be charged at lower than market rent or lower than market uh, um, interest rates. But what does forgivable mean that you don't pay it back? Well, the province has already shown this through COVID. Forgivable is right. you don't pay it back. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's free money. If I'm if if I if I read this the same way this was mentioned in mm-hmm. COVID when businesses were allowed a forgivable um, loan to mm-hmm. be made to business owners for if they have employees. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to take out a $40,000 loan and I had to pay $30,000 back within two years to get a $10,000 forgivable uh, interest-free mm-hmm. cash. Okay. So it was worded very similar to this. So I'm assuming that that's what it means, that you're going to have to, you can't take a 30, you have to take a 40 and of the 40, 50%, or if you took 30, maybe it's only half of that, right? Right. But half of it will be forgivable. And it'll be lower than market interest rates. But then the term would be, I don't know how they're going right. to enforce they reg- this, <laughs> yeah. but they're going, you're going to have to be lower than market rents for five years. So is it like $10 under market rents? Yeah. Is, it, is it a certain percentage? And are the mark, who determines what the market rent benchmark is where that would, I assume, vary municipality to municipality month or to month province yeah like wh- who's setting that yeah who who sets that other than the sort of market at large which is well if we driving look, it up if we look at past uh regulatory things that they've changed the foreign buyer ban mm-hmm. it's been a year it's been close to a year uh i don't know if it's been a year six months they still haven't figured out which areas are like being banned. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know how they get, get on this right away. So the, the way I would read this is that I would think that I mean, in the Housing Act, Bill 43, there's all these requirements that a municipality has to f- have fulfill, okay? And not all municipalities are, are being forced to follow this act yet. Mm-hmm. But Kamloops is one of them. One of 10. One of 10 municipalities that are being told to follow the Housing Supply Act. Right. So in that Housing Supply Act, they're required to make reports and do the studies and figure out the data on what the problems are Mm -hmm. and then come up with solutions enforceable by maybe the province. Right. I don't know if there's any, I don't know if there's any downturn from them not doing it, but (laughs) it just... It, that, that's what they're doing. But I can already see that Canlips has already made a change, right? They already changed the zoning to allow for secondary suites. So they're already on board. They're already making movements towards 
rectifying housing in our community. Right. So yeah, that'll be super interesting to see how they come up with uh, a mar- my personal opinion through the eyes of me mm-hmm. is that government will be slow to respond to market changes. <laughs> so if the market rents are, let's say, uh, $800 per one bedroom apartment, let's say, it's, or per square foot, maybe yeah, they go by square foot. It's low, even. Yeah. That's really low. But I, I would expect that the government would be slow to respond to changes and they would be always, the, the rate at which they say the average rate would be, would always be lower than what it really is. Yes. That's because if how called, government works. If you yeah. called 10 listings for rent today, you could come up with today's market rates, mm-hmm. Okay. But if you called 10 renters, five of those renters may be renting for 18 years and might be paying $200 a month. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that the data they use? Oh. What data are they using? What data are they using? Is it the average rent per person that's just been renting in the last year? Or did they take a whole municipality and do a big somehow average of... How do they even know what people... I oh don't know. God. And I government's so, I great so many at, questions. <laughs> government's great about making the rule and figuring out how to figure out the rule later. Yeah. And and like as we've seen in the real estate industry specifically, like with the recession rate, uh, recession period, period coming yep. into effect, it was overall like way too little, way too late, like miss... Yeah, it's, it's, it's useless. It's sort of moot now. Yeah, it's useless. Mm-hmm. And there was another... I don't want to get into that yet. Yeah. That's okay. another conversation. We'll keep focused yeah. today. <laughs> okay. So okay. point number three uh, or four. Four. Okay. Yeah. So a commitment uh, to bring the province, uh, sorry, a commitment for the province to bring in a provincial property flipping tax in the near future. Nothing, Vague. Nothing quite soon. Yeah. But uh, in the near future. So that's interesting because in, in Bill 543... I actually read a comment in there where it was like trying to encourage municipalities to assist or make make it easier for people to rehabilitate older, decrepit properties mm. so that they can be you know, utilized for more efficiency and for more people. That's flipping. That's what flippers do. <laughs> well, they achieve that target. They they do achieve the target, but. I, yeah, I mean, I guess I don't want to wobble off too far. Off Nobody's going to fix here, up an old decrepit property for free. No, <sighs> well, exactly. I'll do it. Like, of course, it's for profit. It's for profit. And the private sector is the only one who's going to do that. And it's a you know, we live in a capitalist society, and it's a viable way to invest and make money to flip properties. But it is part of the reason that that rents and the the houses, you know, p- potentially that. I don't know if that's debatable. It's the demand that's creating it. Yeah, and if a house is old and needs to be redone, it's right. old and needs to be redone. Like there's why why don't people? But if they're snapping up ones that are maybe livable yeah. now and not snapping old and up, decrepit, snapping up the affordable ones, snapping up the affordable ones, and making them unaffordable, it is maybe where I yeah, like launching them into the next price tier. Maybe, there, but but that's also supply and gray. Yeah, they just supply and demand. How many people are fixing up old Dodge Omnis from the 80s and reselling them because a car now is $40,000 on the lot? Right. Nobody's doing it because the demand is not there. Right. Right? But if there was a demand for that, the private sector would be on it. 
there is a but housing is such a limited yeah quality to it like the space that it takes up is it's kind of finite i mean i know that's what's changing now like they're yeah. looking to infill and densify that's that's really important um yeah. but anyways i think if you look to other countries especially mm-hmm. in europe um and places where there's a lot of saturated people in small areas like like uh like japan mm-hmm you'll see what our future holds for housing. Like those pods that people sleep in where there's oh, like yeah. just literally community bathrooms, community kitchens, mm-hmm. and you literally just have a very small private space to go to bed and maybe do some homework and watch some TV, plug your phone in. There's not a whole lot there. A closet, your clothes. Tiny homes. Yeah. But in a in an apartment setting. Right. Where these things are like, they're... There's tons of them, just all. I mean, that's a ways off. Like the look at the is land. It? Yes, look at the landmass of Japan versus the landmass of Canada. Like no, we but have it's, a little bit. It's going to happen one day. Space, one day. <laughs> Not anytime soon. Not anytime soon. But I think you're right, and certainly in like major centers, you know, maybe we'll start to see that kind of thing in Vancouver. I'm sure there's that's already well micro trending that way. Micro, micro suites yeah. have never been a thing in Kamloops for, until the last. Three years. And a 400 square foot unit was something no one wanted in 2005. Right. Yeah. And now they're like $325,000. Tell me about it. And, and it's like a desirable thing because it's... Small living. It's small, but it's very well laid out. It's new, it's modern, it's efficient, it's close to all the stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, close to downtown, close to the core of things. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. Um, next tidbit, a commitment to stricter enforcement and regulation around short-term rentals. Okay. So let's unpack that a little. This is a good one because, because currently I, I remember doing a podcast, uh, with someone from the city. We were chatting about Airbnbs and what the, how many had been shut down, how many have been investigated. Cause we do not have zoning in Kamloops in the residential neighborhoods for short-term rentals. To allow it. To allow it. But that's not stopping people from having them. Like Airbnb, there's tons of Kamloops listings. Yes, there is. And Kijiji or whatever other platforms. Kijiji, what? That's not what people do. VRBO. <laughs> yeah, well, I think there's a number of them. And, uh, and one, of the, one, of, one of the things they've noted on here is they require data sharing on short-term rental apps like Airbnb and... Data sharing. Yeah, I don't hello, know. <sighs> hello, big brother. I don't know how they're going to get that. Okay, so... Wait till uh, Zuckerberg gets involved in yeah. that. He's not going to allow that. Well, okay, that... What is the... Sorry, can you read one more time verbatim the... I'll, I'll read you the whole statement, okay? okay. So a, a commitment to stricter enforcement and regulation around short-term rentals. Example, one of them being requiring data sharing from short-term rental apps and companies to ensure municipalities can enforce bylaws. Okay. So, okay, I have a cup I have two two big thoughts. One, short-term rentals are a really viable revenue stream for homeowners as a mortgage helper, totally. right? Like that's yes. that's undeniable, but on the flip side, houses or units being held for short-term rental that are not available for purchase that limits is part of the reason that we have a housing right. crisis. So, I see the value in that, but there's. Okay, I see. How, I see a solution. How do we move forward? What? Yeah. I see a solution. What is it? So, if you have a single family detached home, mm-hmm. as a primary resident 
and a, that's your primary, like that's your primary home. Mm-hmm. Okay. As long as you're living in the home, yeah. you should be able to do an Airbnb in your basement or above the garage or somewhere yeah. on that property. As like an additional unit on a primary space. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're not limiting, you're not going to sell your basement suite. It's not going to be a viable place for someone to live. But I see their point. Someone could rent there full time. Right. But Airbnb doesn't necessarily need to, that doesn't mean you're getting a kitchen, you're getting, you know, all these amenities mm-hmm. that a full suite would have, like yeah. laundry. Because the, there's no like permitting process for an Airbnb suite. No, because, because there's be no zoning permits. Just a room in a house. But yeah. there's no zoning requirements for mm-hmm. it. There's nothing here. We do have short-term rental zoning. It's like in Aberdeen where the hotels are. That's where the zoning oh, allows. In a commercial In a commercial setting. setting. <sighs> okay. But, you know, down in Brock, no. Hmm. Dallas, no. Sun Rivers, no. <laughs> Even Sun Rivers, of all places, with has the, the least amount of requirements on zoning. Doesn't allow short-term rentals. Right. But that doesn't stop people from doing it because there's no regulation. Not yet. And that's what this point is that yeah. it will increase regulation and en- yeah. enforcement around it. Yeah. It's not saying absolutely not. It's just increasing How do you shut down enforcement? I can see you shutting down a basement suite that's non-conforming, that's, that's had a problem. Sure. You Electrical over... There's safety issues there, yes. right? There's electrical safety. There is... Um, you know, could it be wired correctly? Is there fire separation? There's a lot of like, there's a lot of issues that re- re- relate around like from like a permit or a safety. building safety, yeah. health and safety. Yeah. But now, if you have simply a bedroom with a bathroom downstairs and you're renting it out from an Airbnb, what is the safety issues? Like your brother right. could sleep in it, but yeah. but a but a random stranger can't because that becomes a safety issue. Uh-huh. Good, good point. And how do you stop it? Like in a suite that's non-conforming, you inspect it, you come in, you, you find the deficiencies, you indicate A, you can rectify these deficiencies, or B, the stove comes out, some of the kitchen comes out, you know, there can't be a wall in between the upstairs and the downstairs. You know, there's things you can do that mandates that makes it very limiting for that suite to go back into use. But if it's right. just a bedroom, mm-hmm. how does a spare bedroom, what are they going to do? You can't have a pillow in there. Right. <laughs> like they can't do I wonder nothing. then if that enforcement or regulation won't won't apply to things that are just a room in a house for rent. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. I think my prediction is that it just becomes a tax. Ah, oh, of course, of course, it just be a becomes tax. a tax. So they they find they find you on Airbnb site and they send you, hey, you haven't applied for a short term rental in your basement. And here's the application form, and don't forget to pay your 895 bucks. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? I bet you that's what it ends up Oof, being. You heard it here first, folks. Yep. Prediction. Prediction number one. <laughs> okay, there's a, there's a couple other tidbits here that I wanted to get to. Um, we kind of talked about the fact that Kamloops was on that list of top 10 municipalities in the province that were going to be targeted for that Housing Supply Act. The other thing was that the, there was additional regulation changes to the Strata Property Act, mm. which came into effect a while ago, but I think there was some, there was like an asterisk around the 55 plus strata complexes mm-hmm. and they didn't know how to deal with it. At first they just said there won't be such thing as a 55 plus. Yeah, age restrictions. And then they said, well, maybe it'll be a 19 and over so that it's just adult oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now they have some clarity on that. So 
the, re- the regulation allows for future children and dependents of any age, including adult children. I hate that word, adult children. <laughs> adult children and spouses or partners of an owner or tenant in a 55-plus strata building to be exempt from 55 and overage bylaws. Okay, so... So strata properties that are currently 55 plus as a rule now will start to allow those residences children children yep. and other family members other family members spouses and partners. So I see that as more of a slow Well hold on hold on. Oh, yeah. Spouses and partners or tenants. Because there's no oh. tenant restrictions anymore. So Oh, so it it literally could mean anything. It could. And I I see that as an attempt at maybe a slower change in those buildings and right. units because over to over time that would make an impact, but it's not like opening the floodgates to anyone and everyone. How is this not opening the floodgates right now? Let's say you're a 55 plus homeowner. Okay? Well, you couldn't sell it. Oh, could you, it doesn't sound like you could just sell it to anyone. Well, it does say tenant. Oh. How do you define tenant? A renter. Yeah, so if you're renting. But if you okay, are, so let's a buyer. say you're a 75-year-old person living yeah. in a 55 plus, you're not yeah. going to up and move just to have a renter. Like you're probably happy where you're, you might be happy where you're living and not be ready to make that kind of change. No, I think I think the move would be that, so in a 55 plus, the, the goal is everyone has to be, original goal was that everyone had to be over 55. Yeah, it's like retirement age. Retirement age living. Yeah. So you as a buyer at 42 were not allowed to purchase that home. Yeah. Legally. Not you were welcome. Not, allowed, not welcome. Get out, youngin. Then there was a change that happened years ago where if you were 55 and your spouse, who was also going to be on title, was less than 55, that was an exemption. That, okay. You were allowed to bring in your spouse. As long as someone's 55. Someone's 55. <laughs> okay. Now it's, okay, so the spouse, a partner... A, a child, an adult child, or a tenant. So essentially, that's everybody except for an owner. So if you sold the property to somebody purchasing it as a primary residence, and they were only 50, then it's still 55 plus for them. They would still not be able to. They still wouldn't be, would be able right. to qualify. But right. if someone bought it for them and rented it to them, then they could live there. Is that, is that how I read that? Partners of an owner or a tenant. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. It's a silly thing. Um, okay. I wonder then, the the purpose of that is to remove so many barriers to other pe- types of people who right. want to live, who, who it would make sense to live there, family members, whatever. Yeah. So that's nice. Can we, <laughs> can we chat about the 55 plus community for a second? Sure. 55 plus community, in my opinion, through the lens of PB. Yeah, put on your Is PB a community glasses. of people that don't want to hear children running up and down the stairs, hollering, yelling, just or like, general noise. Or like, yeah, people having band practices and college parties. Right. Sure. So it's, it's just orientated around quieter environments. Mm-hmm. It doesn't stop them from having pets, unless the strata did, but most of them didn't, because a lot of older people have smaller... Cats, dogs, Mm -hmm. some of them can be super irritating, loud. Um, But does it, do you find that in an age restricted community, there tends to be 
like a little grumpier environment? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to get in trouble with the 55 plus community, but I sense, yeah. In I, a, I in think like if a, you're aiming a, for 55 plus community, probably not the happiest person in the world. Well. I think it's different for a care facility. That's totally different yeah. because we have health concerns now that we're dealing with. Yeah. No, it does does like taking out that medical side. I'm I'm always wary to apply broad things like that to an individual, <laughs> as, you, quick, as you know. And I'm always quick to apply. I know. It's why we're, we're a good balance. It's why our dynamic works. But I think, I don't know. I, okay, so I stayed recently with some pals in Esquimalt, like just up, you know, at Victoria, yep. in a, a place that they purchased a few years ago that had opened up from a 55 plus to a more inclusive, like, yep. I don't know. 19 plus or whatever. Adult oriented. Adult oriented. Yep. And it is a beautiful, well cared for facility, but it has a lot of rules. It's a rule loving right. place beyond just like the maybe what is expected normal strata rules in a, in a way, like yeah. about like gathering in the, com- in, not even just the communal space, but this sort of like central parking lot. Like there's no loitering. Like you you can't just stand there and talk to people. You yeah. have to move on. But that said. That comes that, from grumpiness. Well, I think that may be the case. Yeah. But I also feel like those people were like love to party. Like there was a certain faction of that group who were 55 plus. Right. Who were like down at the dock every night drinking their beers and having like a fun, there was this liveliness that I did not expect to experience, but was very surprised. But you just said the key word, they were down at the dock because the people who didn't get down there were the grumpy people who were still looking in the park at chasing kids out of there. (laughs) Exactly. So there's a 55 plus. always exceptions to every rule. There's a 55 plus in Kamloops. I won't mention the street in case I get a listing out there. I don't want to down on it. But there's... If you know this building, you know it because there's a, there's a, it's on a corner of two streets. Mm-hmm. It's an apartment building, low rise, four stories, I think. One side of the building has a set of stairs that go down from the main parking level, mm-hmm. an outdoor set of stairs, beautiful handrails, very well secured, concrete, vegetated down to the street. And it's always gated off with short-term gating, like snow fencing, that orange bright snow fencing. And it's like, no, we don't allow people to walk up and down those stairs because people try to cut the corner on the building. Oh, like pedestrians. Pedestrians cut the corner so they don't have to walk to the corner of the street and back. And I would say that I could see that, that (laughs) someone has cut the corner, but I just don't see that as a very heavily pedestrian area. Right. And I bet you it was less people that would cut the corner than most. Yeah. But but, but it bothered somebody. It bothered the three people that were always on duty mm-hmm. watching. Yeah. So now it's an eyesore. Mm-hmm. And when you bring a buyer there to look at the building, probably they see this eyesore and they're wondering what is going on over there. Probably looks like it's under construction. It looks like it's under construction or it's a safety hazard. And it's literally somebody doesn't like it when people walk there through right. there. But I mean, this is just a, a well a well used trope of older people, like the get off my lawn crowd, yeah. right? Like yeah. that's that is a tried and true stereotype that does exist, but it's not everybody. It's definitely not everybody. And you don't have to be over fifty five to be a curmudgeon. Oh no, hundred percent. I know some yeah. 
young and sprightly curmudgeons. <laughs> Funny how we got off topic here. <laughs> Way off topic. Um, okay, so... We are just summing up the 55 plus rule is changing. There's going to yes, be... they're opening it up. Little spuds running up and down the halls mm-hmm. now. You're going to have to either wrap your head around it or I don't know if there's like some un... You know unwritten rules to certain apartment buildings like, where there's like buyer approval. Oh, like in a council sort of way? Could be. Ugh, but that yuck. would be a limiting and you wouldn't be able to limit it. Yeah. Okay. I think we'll, time will tell, obviously. These are, yeah. these are some initial steps. And sorry, to circle all the way back to the beginning, yep. can you remind me what this program is called? This is, this is the Homes for People or Housing Supply Act. Yeah, the Housing Supply Act is is an act that was made around the topic of homes for people, mm-hmm. which was an initiative mm-hmm. that was put forth by the province to eliminate or try to help eliminate some of the housing problems yeah. in the province. Okay, great. So there's a number number of like summary statements mm-hmm. which outlines the goal of the initiative. In the goal of the initiative, the act was developed to sort of enforce on municipalities from a provincial level Mm -hmm. some sort of uh, monitoring of what's actually going on physically, a a mandated reporting process, and then like how to correct the problems. And um, yeah, I mean, it sounds pretty. It does. It sounds like uh, like moving in the right direction in terms of having some sort of plan in place it's to so, move the industry, move it, the housing crisis to a better so place. It's so rare that we as civilians get less rules. I know. Right? It's yeah. so rare that that happens where we're allowed yeah. to do, we have more freedom to do what we want on, yes. our, on our lot. Yeah. And so, yeah, you can have more than one suite. This is coming. It's coming. I, I haven't just, seen yeah. it in the zoning just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things we should do is we should get someone from the city in here and get, get their take on it. I agree. Let's do that. Get their lens. Yes. Put on their glasses for a minute. See take a look through on. their eyes. Yeah. Okay. So some interesting tidbits. And um, you heard it here first. Cam <laughs> Loops Real Estate Insider Podcast. Hey, thanks for listening to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to get new episodes delivered right to your feed. And we want to hear from you. Send comments and questions to parker at royallepage.ca or reach out on Instagram at pbrealestater. <laughs>